People stand. We're going to go ahead and worship tonight. Who's excited about one more night? Come on. Come on. I can, we can get louder than that. Come on. All right, so we're going to worship tonight. And I just want to encourage you that uh, we did this song, what, a couple weeks ago at a conference? And the room was crazy. So uh, let's see what we can do tonight, all right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We have the entire altar for you teenagers to come on down. New Hope, get us started. <laughs> come on, I was buried. And I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? Come on, you know it. It was my turn till I met you. Come on. And I was breathing, but not. Alive, all my failures and all my failures I tried to hide. It was my two, it was my till I met you. You call my name, you call my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you call my name, you call my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, now your mercy I say. My soul, now your freedom is all we know. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old may know, the old may know. Jesus, when I met you, you call my name, you call my name. And I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you call my name, you call my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the heaven I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name
into your glorious name. You call my name. You call my name. And I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious name. I'm living in the light now. 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 tonight that dry things and dead things are coming to life in the name of Jesus. Come on, did anybody walk in tonight with some, an area in your life that's dry? Something in your life? Well, we just prophesy tonight that those dead bones will live tonight in the name of Jesus. Open the grave, I'm coming out, I 
This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Oh. Come on, last night the man of God preached about hearing the sound, hearing a knock, right? Tonight we're going to prophesy to this church, to this generation, to this area, that there's a sound being released by these young people that's going to change the trajectory of our people. Amen? Come on. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah if there's anything that he can do. Come on. Just as the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden, what happens when God says more? I feel Him doing it now. I feel Him doing it now. I feel Him doing it now. Doing now. Open the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. I hear, the sound. I hear the sound
Come on, can we give him a hand of clap of praise? Hallelujah, Jesus.
So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your spirit. Your spirit lives within me. My victory. Your spirit lives within me. My victory.
we're in a high or whether that be we're in a low, dear God, we trust you because you're the same. You've always been the same. You're never going to change, God. And we thank you that we can come to you tonight, dear Lord. Bless us as we sing. I believe 
something has to break. So tear down every lie, set the wrong thing right. Cause when you have your way, something has to break.
Come on, you season people singing with us. you a question tonight where is your trust at where is your trust at tonight on the mountaintop God is good in the lowest of valleys he's good when things don't go your way He's good. When the doctor says one thing, he's good. Psalms 34 and 8, it says, I sought the Lord. He heard me and he answered me. I sought the Lord. He heard me and he answers me. He answered. So whenever we begin to lift our voices toward God, we say, God, I need you. You know what he does? He doesn't just sit back and just watch and see what we're going to do. He comes running to right to where you are. In whatever situation you are facing tonight, there is no problem that caught God off guard. There is no situation that caught him off guard and says, whoa, what is this? No, but he knew before you were even going to face it. He knew and he has already made an answer for you. The God that we serve is not a God that is slack. He is not a God that's sitting up there just twiddling his thumb. He's not a God that's just sitting up there wondering what tomorrow will hold. But yet he's holding, sitting up there on the throne, looking at each and every one of us tonight, knowing everything that we're going through. And yet he says, I am still good no matter what we are going through. I'm still good no matter what we are facing. And even though trials and tribulations are hurting, they hurt, they come our way. God does not change. He does not change based on what we are going through. But yet he is always constant in our life people will run away people will go away out of our lives but God will never leave us that's why we can sit up here and say God I trust you God I trust you when it don't look good I trust you when it looks good I still trust you God 
Guys, whatever you are facing tonight, know that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who is concerned about you. And there is a God that you can put your hope and your trust in. Don't put your hope and your trust in your pastor. Have confidence in them. But they are not the one who has the answer for us. God is the only one that can meet our need. God is the only one that when we call upon his name, he comes running to where we are. Where's your trust at tonight? Where's your trust at tonight? Look to your neighbor and say, where's your trust at? Where's your trust at? Some trust in horse and chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into they are safe they are safe he's a hiding place he's a refuge he's an ever present help in the time of need he is my rock (laughs) he is the one who I trust in The one who will never leave us nor forsake us. The one who has ordered your steps. He's got you tonight, guys. He's got you. My trust is not in what this world can give, but my trust is in the one who gave me everything that I need. Salvation, deliverance. Everything that we need is in his name and his glory. Let's slip our hands up one more time as they sing trust in Jesus one more time. Father, we thank you tonight for what you have done already, God. We thank you, Lord, that we can put our hope and our trust in you, God. We can put our hope and our trust in the one who will never fail, God. The one who is always constant, the one who is always true, the one who will never fail us, oh Lord. God, you are always gonna come running when we have a need tonight. God, in every situation, God, that's here tonight under the sound of my voice, God, I pray as they sang before, something has to break, oh, Lord. Oh, God, we bless you today, God, and we trust in you, God. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, can we give this praise team a, a hand of, of gratitude? You guys may be seated. Some of you were probably shocked to hear some of the, the sound that was coming out of some of their mouths just as much as I was last week. But I believe tonight, declared that tonight is the start of a new thing with our youth here at Northview Harvest Ministries. So I have the honor tonight, believe it or not, y'all know I'm loud and like to talk, but believe it or not, this makes me super nervous. I would rather be singing than having to speak. Um, but I have the honor, to, of, honor tonight to introduce our speaker. Um, and so I had to write it down so I didn't go here, yet, there, and all yonder. And so what, when I was introducing our speaker, I mean, but when I, this week when I was writing some stuff down, I made a, um, a point to, to reach out to some folks so they could give me some compliment, I mean, comments, and you'll understand in just a few minutes. One, I'm reading off my phone because as all of you who know Jay Flowers, he is never on time with anything. So I got his right before he walked in. <laughs> so Pastor Jason Cook, who is here tonight, is married to Chloe, and they have, is she five? Five, a, a three, a five-major teenager, five-year-old daughter, and it's Alice, right? He serves as a senior pastor for the Refuge Church in Conway, South Carolina. Under his ministry are several campuses, including the Refuge Murals Inland, I can't say that word, Refuge Savannah Bluff, and Refuge Mullins. Over 18 years ago, Pastor Jason, this is why he's very unique to us around here, he came to Larnberg with frosted tips, driving a burgundy Ford Explorer, probably pulling a four-wheeler behind it. You had, <laughs> he had hair then. He interned as a youth pastor with our youth group at the time. I was a senior in high school. Um, and then it eventually led to a full-time position. He became part of our faith family here immediately and is, will always be connected and a part of our family here at Northview. He met his wife, amen, you agree? He met his wife, Chloe, who was a Larnberg native, so there are some good things that come out of Northview Harvest Ministry for you single fellas, right, honey? Where is he at? Um, and so he met Claire, Chloe here at Northview, and I'm pretty sure Northview is also where he learned to sing. <laughs> he was a part of Priest of Praise, playing the keyboard, I mean, banging the keys on the keyboard, and eventually, and he was also singing. He had a true gift at pulling gifts and callings, still has that gift, of young people. I asked a few of those young people what some of their fondest memories of Pastor Jason was for me to share. So Jay's goes first, because he was late. Teaching us the value of worship through getting back to the foundation of worship. He took all of the instruments away and made us worship with voices only, and then over the course of several weeks, he slowly introduced instruments back into worship one by one, leading up to a youth revival in which we then had a full band and a renewed sense of how to truly worship. That was, all we were, um, that was called the rebirth of Oasis and the rebirth of Thirsty. 
Also, he sat at my table the night the Lord gave him the message for the nightly devotion while we were at Fire and Ice. I believe it was Outback. But his steak needed some salt. And the Lord reminded him of Matthew 5, 13, and that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. This will be the conversation at our table that led to the name of our youth group, Thirsty. Because thirst is, thirst is an effect of salt. Salty was our other option, and shortly after that, salty took on a whole new meaning and would not be appealing for any Christ-centered youth group. LOL. So I'm glad we were able to talk him out of getting too carried away and all that salt stuff. He's a good dude, and I'm forever grateful for the influence and impact he was on me. He had on me at such a pivotal age. I'm glad to see how powerful his ministry is now, and I take pride in knowing that I was there for the start of it. Um, that was Jay Flowers. I knew Jason the least, but my fondest memories are of him banging the keys <laughs> on the keyboard and trying to contain himself from Holy Spirit and moonwalking on the stage. We always had good times riding four-wheelers and hanging out to the late hours of the night as a youth group. He was always personal with every team, no matter what the situation was. He always has, had a, has and will have a huge smile and grin and always made others laugh. James Earl. Paul says, I'm still thirsty. Paul Lemon. Um, and then one says, I will also never forget riding to Accelerant with him, Jesse Lee, and Jay in the beat-up Explorer that we discussed earlier, trying to haul that big old trailer of luggage, but also him banging on the keyboard, singing off tune, because he was so into playing, was always a fond memory. Him showing up at Scotland High School just to eat with us or to show he cared always meant so much to me. Him willing to not give up on his calling despite bumps in the road always spoke volumes to me as well. He had a way of showing that mistakes, if we make any, they don't define us and that we shouldn't, throw, or we shouldn't be thrown off track by them or ruin our destiny. That was an admirable quality, and that's from Amber Flowers. Everything Amber said was Jesse Hatchell. One of my best memories was him coming to the pool parties at the house and bringing his famous Dean's Ranch dip. It didn't matter if I had already made homemade ranch. He never thought it compared to his store-bought ranch. He also taught me to eat my steak medium instead of well done. And so that was Jesse Hatchell, now Paget. For me personally, Jason pushed me into my calling. He birthed our first youth praise team where I got my first mic and learned to sing harmony. It was an ugly process, and it still is an, can be an ugly process. I'm still learning. The first few Wednesdays, he assisted and coached us as a worship team, and then he insisted that we do it on our own. We had the choice to either walk up, step it up as a teenager in this world and walk in our calling and accept the challenge or to completely shut it down and ignore what God was orchestrating. We were terrified and out of our comfort zone, but that process was part of the preparation for our callings that we walk in today. Pastor Jason believed in us, and he personally saw something in me and every other youth that we were blind to see ourselves. He discipled us and created opportunities for us to walk in our callings. If, there, if you are under the sound of my voice now and Pastor Jason has impacted you in any type of way and still impacts you, will you stand? Anybody in here, and he's impacted you, had a mark in your life then, maybe you're not Northview. Come on, that's a wonderful thing. Can we give God a hand? So, Pastor Jason, we want to th say thank you. 
thank you for giving me a mic. <laughs> Some might not say thank you, but thank you. And we speak today that the harvest will be plentiful for the seeds that you have sown into our lives. We are forever grateful. Come on, can we welcome Pastor Jason? Let's give Jesus a hand and all God's children said amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have some fun tonight and uh, I'm looking forward to being here. I think we're going to get a music stand. If it's all right with y'all, I'm going to stay down here with y'all tonight. Is that okay? The pulpit and me don't always get along, so I, I just do better on the floor. They forgot all those McDonald's breakfast trips we made and uh, somehow I got stuck with the bill most mornings. They forgot that I had never sang a song in my life. And Michelle right there said, oh, yeah, you're going to sing. And I worked on my first song for about six weeks before I ever sang the very first song in front of the church. And then youth led worship one night. And to our credit, thank you, Pastor. And to our credit, I had the transpose key on my keyboard. So we were a key lower and not a soul on the praise team picked it up. They sang the whole song in the wrong key. It was great. And so when the worship, when the folk out in the audience were cringing, I couldn't figure out why. But now I know why, because we were all in the absolute wrong key. Poor Jessie, we throwed her out to the wolves. Self-appointed leader, we made her, bless her heart. She just, it is what it is. But it's good to be here tonight. Enough about me. Thank you for the warm welcome. I want to honor your pastors and their leaders. They are some of the most powerful men and women of God that I know. So we honor them and thank God for them. Amen. And it's an honor to be here with my bride of the last 17 and a half years. This, yeah, this Christmas, uh, we'll get to celebrate 18 years, and we do have a 5 major, and uh, she does run our lives. So everything revolves around her. If you come to my house, I don't live there. It's a big Barbie doll house, and me and Chloe just have a room in the corner somewhere. So we give God all the glory, but we are honored to be here. If you'll give me just a few minutes, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. Um, I didn't watch the other two speakers in the revival because I didn't want to come in and try to, to do anything that would try to outdo, undo, be different, and try to be a part. I wanted to totally and 100% be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. And that's uh, any preacher that preaches behind other folk will tell you that the tendency is you see Facebook posts, you're like, oh, man, I got to go in here and knock one out to park. No, I, I just avoided that. Because I wanted to come in and be genuine to what I felt in my heart. And I was talking with your pastor and the Lord dropped a word in my spirit yesterday. And I was thinking I was going to get to come in here and preach on a broken window. But when I started preparing, the Lord dropped a couple of words in my spirit that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about you killing me, Smalls. You killing me, Smalls. Some of you have seen the movie Sandlot. If you have not, you have missed your whole life. The movie Sandlot, best movie ever made about baseball. It is what it is. I want to comment one more thing before we stand for the reading of God's word, and that's James Earl. That wasn't fair. Where are you at? You you were still in diapers when I was here, kid. So I mean, let's be fair now. I mean, you I didn't get to know you that much, but he was just starting to play the drums when I was here, and really starting to come into his musical gift. And that's been the joy of my life watching you lead tonight, and Mandy, and everybody else knowing what you're all in this church. And I dishonor the gift of God on your life, bud. So praise God for whom all blessings flow. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Meet me in the book of Second Timothy. 
Meet me in the book of 2 Timothy. I'm going to try not to be before you long. You could be anywhere in the world on Friday night, but you chose to be in church. So I want to just give you what the Lord's laid on my heart and get out of your way. So y'all can go get a McDonald's milkshake. Maybe Mandy will buy it tonight. And, um, or maybe Jay, one of those kids that are making the big money now, and maybe they'll do it. But my exploder wasn't that bad. Even if it had an orange sticker on the back of a burgundy red car, it was, and the tips, you know, when you have hair, they work. When they, they don't, you know, you can't look like sync when you ain't got no hair. So here we are. But we do honor the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about your killing me smalls. My wife is working on two hours in the last 48 of sleep. She's an overnight nurse. So if y'all see her dozing off, Blaine, how about wake her up? Just make sure she knows uh, that, that we're still in church. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter number one. I want to read just a couple of verses. We're going to begin reading at verse number five. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. Look at your neighbor say, it's in you also. Look at the other one say, it's in you also. All right. And I remind you of the gift to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, before I even read the next verse, I want you to do me a favor. Now, I don't know if y'all had supper or not yet, but how about put your hand on your belly and stir for just a minute. Now, everybody good and hungry now? We all ready to go eat some ice cream and hot dogs? Let's do it. Hallelujah. We can get down the road. What's that? Nick's pick quick? Hi, man. I love it, man. God's good. But we've all stirred up. But in this passage, Paul is telling a spiritual principle that sometimes the gift of God will get stale. I don't know if you've ever cooked grits, but when you cook grits, if you don't stir them, they start sticking to the pot and they start getting a glaze on them. But a minute you'll start stirring a little bit, they'll start coming back together and becoming what they were intended to be. And sometimes with the gifts of God, especially in teenagers, and I'm going to be talking to teenagers, adults, y'all just ignore me for tonight and your pastor will give you a hot word on Sunday. But in my mind, there's got to be a come a point where we stir up what God's doing inside of us. Amen. There, there's, listen, every person in this room has a destiny called by God to do something great. But your greatest enemy for doing what God said is fear. Not the devil, fear. Because, see, the Bible gave us authority through the blood over the enemy. But we still struggle with this thing called fear. We, we listen to what the enemy has to say and we stop doing what God has said to do because we get afraid. So I want to read this next passage. It said, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You hear everybody, anxiety is the buzzword. Depression is the buzzword. My sister is a professional counselor, and she'll tell you that everybody wants to be a part of the cool kids club and have a diagnosis. But what she said is that everybody's looking for something to blame for the fear that's welling up. That's not to do anything with a real diagnosed case of either or. But there are folk that put it on because they're just afraid of what God is doing inside of them. So let, let's dig a little deeper. I want to read one more passage of scripture. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And then Isaiah 41 10 before we pray says this. So do not fear for I am with you. Who? God. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you by my righteous hand. So with all that said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, stir it up. 
Look at your other one and say, neighbor, stir it up. Now, would you look at them one more time on each side and tell them, stir it up. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray in this building tonight, you would stir up the gift inside of these children with these adults, Lord, those that have gotten stale in their walk with you, those that have gotten stale and stagnant in their calling, those that have gotten far away from what you're trying to do, God, tonight, we just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would remind them of the gift of God that has been placed inside of them. And all of this, we're going to ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes preaching and teaching easy, God, and I pray that you'd give me a, a connection, Lord. God, that these babies would hear the word of the Lord that's inside tonight, God. Let them hear the lion roaring, Lord God, but the lamb speaking, and we're believing it in the name of Jesus. And all God's children said, amen. Now, before you see it, give your neighbor a good hug. Tell him you're glad to see him. If it's your spouse, you can slip him a smooch, and you may be seated in the house of God. Amen. Now, I'm going to do my best to get here and get out of your way, but let's talk. One of the things I hated when I was a youth pastor, and I did that for about eight years, was we would go to these services, these big, exciting, fun youth groups, revivals. We used to have Stir It Up rallies at the conference. We used to do youth camps, all of this exciting stuff we would do. And we would go and get all this fire and all this excitement, and we would then, we'd come home and we'd look at our church and nothing was the same. The people that were jumping at camp weren't jumping at church. The people that were crying at camp weren't crying at church. The people that were happy at church, at camp, all of a sudden we come home and they're not the same. Watch this. A fire that's not tended to will burn out. Amen? A fire that is not taken care of will burn out. So what's that got to do with the price of eggs in China? Well, I'm glad you asked. One of the reasons I think this is the case is because as we go back to our homes, our children, our churches, our schools, and wherever else we are, we start being afraid to be who we are in front of those that know us best because they might know a little secret about me or they might know something that I was before. They might know about my past or whatever. My parents are going to think I'm crazy. But the reality is, when God starts calling and working in a believer, you've got to be who God called you to be everywhere you are, anytime you are, instead of just where it's convenient. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Stay with me. In the movie, Sandlot, I don't know if you recognize this, because I didn't until earlier today, but the fear of Smalls grew as the movie went on. At first, he was afraid of friends. He didn't have no friends. He didn't know nobody. Old Smalls was a, a nerd. Let's just make it what it is. If you're a nerd, God bless you. I was that kid that got beat up because I was a nerd. It's all right. But when you're four foot one until you graduate high school, that's what happens. So he's afraid of friends. He's afraid of people to get around them and them to realize that he really knows nothing about baseball. He doesn't know who Babe Ruth is and his mama does and he's embarrassed and he's writing notes about trying to figure out who the great Bambino is. He, he's just this kid that's afraid of making a mistake. But the next thing, he's afraid of failure. He goes out on the ball field and he's standing there and I, I reminded this kid, we had a guy that plays baseball or softball, church softball with us. He's a little older, younger than I am. He's standing there the other night and he's waiting on the ball and just like Smalls, he moves and it cracked him in the eye and he had to go have stitches and have his eye put back together from a softball falling from the sky and hitting him in the eye. But he's afraid of failure. Smalls is afraid something's fixing to go down and he's going to mess up and look like a dummy. He does mess up. 
And a guy named Benny comes and gets him. Benny pulls him out. And when Benny pulls him out, then he becomes a baseball star. Well, then he loses his dad's favorite baseball, signed by Babe Ruth himself. We're talking about a baseball, and as in the quote the movie, that baseball you lost to the beast is worth more than, man, your whole life. Anybody remember that line in the movie? And he, he keeps doing this stuff, so he gets afraid of his father. And when his father, stepfather at the time, realizes at the end of the movie that his ball was eat up. He still got punished. But they spend the rest of the movie trying to go find the ball that he lost to the beast. And then there's fear of the fur. I had to get another F. There's fear of the fur. The beast is a big dog that's like 12 foot tall and about 700 pounds. And he's all kind of walking around like he's something. And little uh, squints, Polidor, I think was his name. He makes this beast look out like he's a dragon or a Goliath or a Godzilla. And, and the next thing you know, they pickle the beast. Everybody remember they pickle the beast? They go running after this guy and the dog comes out and the dog ain't no bigger than a chihuahua. Y'all remember? Anybody remember? His fears were growing the whole time. But when it finally got in front of his face, they started realizing that maybe what we were afraid of really wasn't as big and as powerful as we thought. And in today's generation, when God starts calling you to do something, to be something, to go somewhere, to do what God has called you to do, you can't let your fear grow. Your faith has got to grow. Because if God's track record is not enough, he's done enough already to prove that he can do what he said he would do. But if you're letting your fear grow, then you'll be locked up tight and never do anything for the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're scared to death that the beast the fur beast, the imagined little chihuahua is going to stop what God has called you. But hear me and hear me good. If God has called you to it, God will guide you through it. If God has brought you to it, God will make sure you go through it. Somebody better shout amen and amen. Now watch this. As this story goes on, you start finding out that life is found in the dance between your deepest desire and your greatest fear. Watch this. There's healthy fear. What is something you're afraid of? Like legit afraid of? A healthy fear now. I can tell you mine. Snakes. I can't stand a snake. A cockroach. How much power has a cockroach got? I got this girl that serves in our, in our ministry in Georgetown, and she's a nurse. Been a nurse all of her adult life. She's scared of a clown. She's five foot eight. I mean, she can run faster than anybody, but if let a clown be there, she'd give him her car, her house, her everything, her bank account, just to not have to see that clown. For those of you who know Miss Ashley Griffith, that's who that is. She's afraid of a clown. That is an unhealthy, irrational fear. A healthy fear is what keeps you safe when things are bad. <laughs> Let's talk about a real fear. Losing people we love, never achieving who we are, or our own death. Let's talk about illogical fear. Clowns are out to get you. Pastor Tim is an undercover agent for FBI. Pastor Mike is an escapee from Alcatraz. <laughs> and Pastor Mandy, I, I'm going to leave her alone. Hallelujah. Pastor Mandy's going to run her credit card up at McDonald's. Hallelujah. <laughs> illogical fears. I'm afraid of getting stuck in a mundane life where my life doesn't matter. You want real honesty? 
I'm afraid of losing my home. I'm afraid that something happening to my daughter or my wife that I can't stop. Like a burglar coming in and tying me up and having to watch him have his way with my wife and daughter. It, 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 it bothers me as a real fear. It gets deeper. I'm worried about my dad having another heart attack. He's had five. I'm worried about inevitably pain. I'm allergic to it. I break out in tears. I don't want any more pain. I don't want to have to be physically pain. I've been in a motorcycle wreck. I faced death head on without realizing it. It was a truck coming that made me face death. But in the end of the thing, I faced it. And I can tell you at that moment where I didn't know if I was going to live or die, that what was going through my mind, what was what, not what I wanted still to do with my life. It's the regrets I had for what I hadn't done with my life. I realized that fear has been in the driver's seat and it was time for me to either get busy living or get busy dying. And at the end of the day God is looking to a generation of called out children and women and men of God that are ready to walk in who you are and sick and tired of being bound up in fear and regret and anxiety and stopping who God's called you to be it's about time a new generation of believers who are spirit filled and bold and empowered ready to walk on devil's heads are rising up and doing what God has said to do somebody better say amen I'm afraid of these things. And do you know the top 10 things you're afraid of your Bible addresses? Number one, most people are afraid of change. Two, loneliness. Three, failure. Four, rejection. Five, uncertainty. Six, something bad happening. Seven, getting hurt. Eight, being judged. Nine, inadequacy. And 10, loss of your freedom. How many of you are afraid of being in a set of handcuffs? I am. I'd have a meltdown. They'd have to bury me right there. I, I can't do it. I wasn't designed to be tied down. I, that's why I can't do the pulpit. It's like a ball and chain to me. I got to be where I can move. My church folk, they know. They threatened me to tie me down to the pulpit. I said, no, y'all ain't. The devil is a liar. I can't do it. But listen, of all those 10 fears, the Bible addresses every single one. That is the 10 most common fears, counselors, here. Malachi 3 and 10 said, I am the Lord and I change not. So even though you might walk through change, it don't matter because God don't change. So even though my life gets out of whack, doesn't mean God is still not working in the middle of the change. What about loneliness? The Bible said it this way in Matthew 28, 20, that I am with you always. You are never alone. You could be in the dark of a bedroom. You could be in the dark of a car. You could be lost in the woods. But one thing you can bank on is there is no place where God's presence is not. There is no place where God will not be with you. There is nothing you will encounter that God is not watching over you. As a matter of fact, he is with me in the valley. He's with me in the mountain. He's with me when it's good, and he's with me when it's bad. He's with me always. Why? He called me to it. Hallelujah. So he's going with me through it. Rejection. Proverbs 30, 24, 16. Though a righteous man falls seven times, they'll rise again. And then the next one. Failure. That was failure. This is rejection. Isaiah 53, 3, he was despised and rejected by men. One who was used to being grieved. What that means is because Jesus experienced rejection, when you experience it, you can walk through it. Because it does not define me because you don't want to be around me. It doesn't mean that God is going to stop being God because everybody don't understand you. Let me help you understand something. Not everybody is ever going to understand you. The dreams that are burning deep in your heart, I pray that they're so radical, so spirit-filled, so empowered 
that you're not shut down, backed up, or shut up because God has done something new in you. If it's not new and it looks like something that we reinvent in the wheel, chances are it's not God. But when it's fresh out of the throne, it won't make sense. It'll scare you. But you know why? It's good because that means you'll have to depend on God. Somebody say amen. Something bad happening. 1 Peter 1, 5 and 7, cast all your worries on him because he cares for you. Worries like a rocking chair gives you something to do but don't get you nowhere. What about this one? Getting hurt. Psalms 91, 1, 11 and 12 said, For he will command his angels concerning you so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What about number eight? Being judged. Jesus said, Judge not that you not be judged for with judgment you use it will become back to you. What about this one? Inadequacy. I'm not enough. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And finally, the loss of freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Spirit of the Lord, it, now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to give you a couple of things, and I'm out of your way. Question number one, what are you waiting on? Question number two, what's standing in your way? And question number three, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what's holding you back? Romans 10, 17 said, we will believe what we listen to the most. I want to show you something, if you will. Would you come and help me, young man? What's, what's your name? Alex. Alex. Where are you from, Alex? Greensboro. And you live in Laurenburg now? Oh, what's up, man? Good job bringing family, man. Back in the day, that's what we did. Now we say family's there, so we stay out of church. Good for you, man. Welcome, Alex. Good to have you, okay? All right, no, no, oh, what you sitting down for, son? I need you in this spirit-filled camp meeting. What you doing? Now, this is Alex. Let's say this is how a counselor treats realistic fear, okay? Let's say Alex is afraid of redheads, okay? If you're a redheaded female, we're going to use Amber tonight because she's a good sport. Her husband's a Clemson fan, and there's no hope for them, so we're going we're gonna to use her as hope. Alex is scared of redheads, so he sees a redhead, and he turns and runs the other way like a scared little girl. All right, all right go. go. Go run a little bit. All right, that's good. Okay, so exposure therapy, first thing they do is he has to acknowledge that Amber's alive and a redhead exists. Can you acknowledge there's a redhead? All right, that's step one. You acknowledge that the thing you're afraid of exists. She's afraid of cockroaches. Or do they exist? Do you look like a real Pentecostal when you see them? Hey, God Almighty, you all over the place, ain't you? Yes, good. He acknowledged there's a real redhead, and she's in the room, okay? Now, well, we don't look at her yet because we're scared of her, remember? All right, phase two. From a, Chase said he was too. From a distance, okay, he has to look in the direction of a redhead. Can you do that? All right. You're scared of her now, remember, but, but you looked in her direction, okay? Third step. This is called exposure therapy. Third step. He watches a video of, let's say, a redhead singing and doing acrobatics. We'll just use something funny. It could be a video of, if you're scared of French fries, it could be watching French fries being made in the fryer. It, it's that tedious it's a long process of being exposed to fear and responding to it let's go another layer now we fit to get into big boy stuff you got to 
Say with your mouth, I'm not afraid of a redhead. I'm not afraid of a redhead. All right. Well, Jay is, so I don't know what he knows that you don't. That's all right. Let's go another step. He's got to go and get within six foot of a redhead. Go ahead. I'm going to let you walk and I'm going to stay here. Jay, don't go hard on him now. Just let him get within six foot. Thank you, Alex from Greensboro. That's good right there. All right. If he was dealing with a sincere fear of redheads, he would not be up. This would probably be about where he's starting to melt down because he realizes I can't deal with this. Okay? So now you got to walk up and say hey to a redhead. All right. Let's do it. Hey. <laughs> All right. That was a big win. Now you've got to touch on the shoulder a redhead he's made amazing progress <laughs> this may take 10 years for some illegitimate fears 10 years what I just talked about alright now we fit to go for the big one now you ready Alex from Greensboro you got to give her a side Christian hug. Now, that, uh, Christian hugs we do to the side. So give her a side Christian hug. Let's give Alex from Greensboro a big hand. He did a good job. All right, thank you, Alex. You can be seated. Are you scared of redheads anymore? No, you wasn't scared to start with. Jay just is. How, Jay, start right here, buddy. Let's go. We'll walk it down, buddy. We'll do it. So what God does when there's a legitimate fear that has taken root inside of us. It could be the fear of the platform. So God lets you start right here. I don't know about y'all, but the platform scared me to death the first time I was told I had to get in it. Mandy admitted when she was up there a few minutes ago that I don't public speak. This is, this is tough for me. So an exposure might be, all right, child of God, we've just had an encounter with God right here. Now the next place is for you in the platform. But I, I gotta get, I, I'm worried about it, so I, I gotta touch the rail. Then, then I gotta go back and take a step. Then I gotta go back and take another step. Then I gotta I got eventually get to where I can take all my steps. And, and then I start working my way and it may take some time but what fear says is that you don't belong here but what faith says is God told me to do it so I'm going to do what the Lord said and I'm going to go where he told me to go but it's a process sometimes that you have to embrace what's scaring you to death but the most alive you will ever feel in your life is when God tells you to do something and you say alright Lord it's me and you I might look crazy but I know what God has said to me and I'm going to do it in Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. So we take this thing as fear starting to build. And I want to talk to you about five and we're going. Gideon. Gideon's excuse was I'm the smallest from the weakest tribe. Moses was I'm afraid because I got a stutter. We'll go. He wasn't talking in tongues. He was doing his best to get over a stutter. Let, 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 let my pe people, pe people go. Let's go David. David, everyone's sitting around shaking in their armor. And one little old ruddy boy about Alex's size said, I'm going to take a nine foot six giant and with a rock, I'm going to take this choker out. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to put four more rocks in my bag. My understanding is Goliath had four brothers. David wasn't just going to be done with just one. He said, oh, come at me with all you got, old boy. You come at me with spear and sword, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. What that means is this. When God calls you to a battle, it don't matter if you're two foot, three foot, eight foot, or spiritually speaking, a giant when God has called you to it he'll make sure you've got what you need to take it on and somebody better say amen let's look at Elijah 
Elijah sat up under a tree wishing to die because Jezebel wanted to kill him. Can I be real with y'all tonight? There was a time in my life I didn't want to live anymore. There was a time where I walked down my driveway and I said, God, I, I don't want to do this anymore. If you don't intervene, I quit. I was foolish and reckless with my life. Wrecked, I don't know, God only knows how many cars. Wrecked motorcycles, four-wheelers, anything I was involved with an engine. I wrecked it. And I didn't even realize it, but I was running from fear because I wanted to avoid anything to do with a pulpit and anything to do with anything God wanted for me. All I wanted was to go and be my own man and do things my own way. But my recklessness and then my trouble I walked through, there was a time I said, I just don't want to be here. And I carried all this guilt and shame from my life. And I just wondered at that time, God, what do you want me to do here? Stay with me. What are you waiting on? If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Watch this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Let's talk about what holds us back. What are you waiting on? And I'm going to get to my picture here in a minute. This motorcycle, not quite the size I would ride because I'm about 232.4. And, and it takes a lot to move a body this big. My Harley is fixing that. We're taking them to Pennsylvania Sunday for a couple of days. And when you open up my saddlebags... You're going to find there's a rain suit in there. There's leather. There's chaps. There's um, a toolkit because I do ride a Harley, meaning I got to work on it. You know, we have all kind of stuff down in our bags. But if you overload these bags, there's a warning sticker that says if you load them incorrectly, the bike could kill you. It says it in nicer words, but it said mishandling weight will cause you to lose the bike. The bike will get out from under you. The bike will be loaded inappropriately. And then you put a rider on, it makes it even worse. I love it when my wife gets on the bike. She can't stand for me to say this, but my bike works a little harder with two people on it, so it sounds deeper, more throaty. It's got more power. It, it just sounds good when my wife's on it, not because she's heavy, but because it sounds good. But anyway, but when she loads her mess on it, we got hair brushes and hair clips and, and band, I mean, every hat that God has ever made in a Harley store. We got it all loaded down in the bags. Hallelujah. And jury, you can't ride a Harley evidently without the biggest jury they make. It's got the bling in the sun. To, anyway, I carry some baggage. I will if you will. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Those bags are designed to carry a certain amount of load for a certain amount of time. And you're only supposed to get in these bags when you're stopped and at a point you can utilize what's in there. Otherwise, it stays there. But if you misload it, it'll send you to your death. There are some folk in this room that if you're honest, you're waiting and you're stopped because of the baggage that has gotten a hold of you and you're still carrying you got stuff in there nobody can see, at least you think. 
You got stuff in there that nobody knows is there that's hidden behind the shelter that, that, that is masked by a pretty smile or a good paint job. Look, you can put all the paint on you you want to put. You can put all the nice clothes you want to put on you. But there's baggage that is still lurking underneath. What the enemy will tell you is that the way to get past all this mess is hide it. But what God said is if you'll just turn it loose, their baggage gets off of you. But in the end day, if we're riding a bike down the road, miss loaded with empty baggage that the enemy has put on your life, what then happens is you end up crashing. If you'll give me a minute. When I got in my wreck, a boy hit me from the side, from behind. He didn't see me stopping. When he hit me, my stuff scattered all over the highway. I went back a couple days later and I picked up I'm bloody and, and gashed up and cut up and I'm walking like this like a penguin because I'm so hurt from road rash and I picked up pieces of my bike and my stuff from on the side of the highway when I got hit what was in me came out and you can bank when you get hit with life that what's in you is going to come out that stuff you think nobody don't know you looking at on your phone? When you get in life's jam and something hits you, I can promise you that stuff's going to slip out. What you think your mom and daddy don't know about what you're doing on weekend nights when ain't nobody looking in back seats of cars and back in the woods? I promise you, when life comes hard and hits you, can I talk to you like grown folk? That something, come when life hits hard, what's in you has no choice but to come out. You say, I don't believe that. Well, try it in the morning when you get your toothpaste. Put a little squeeze on it and see if your toothpaste don't come shooting out. Why? Because when life hits hard, what's in you has to come out. It's better if you go on and deal with it so when life hits, there ain't nothing to splatter everywhere. I'm going to go a little deeper. God gave you a capacity for baggage. But if you don't let him deal with the things that are slowing you down, you'll always be stuffing more into places than it can hold. The heavier your load, the slower your run. Is the brother still in here that this is his bike? Is he still here? He may be out in the foyer, and that's okay. If I load this bike down, it's going to slow it down. My motorcycle, if I put a load on it, it tops out. Don't tell my family, but it tops out about 116. It's about as hot as she'll go. He said, well, what you doing going that fast? In the California desert, there's no speed limit. So don't look at me like that. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. So you can go as hard as you want to go. Straight highways, no animals, just roll. You can't set your cruise over 94, though, just random stat. Out there in those journeys of life, the more I've got on my bike, the harder it is to get that thing to go. And when it hits something, it hits it harder because of all the load it's carrying. So what that means is, brother and sister, Hebrews is written in Hebrews chapter 12, said it this way. Let us lay aside that which so easily entangles and press on. Why? Because if we don't strip off that which is holding us back, every good runner, every good bike owner, every good car owner tells you that the load is what will slow you up, what you're dragging along that you don't need. Let me ask you this question. What are you waiting on? Let me ask you this question. What's standing in your way? Number one, an enemy. You met an enemy yet? Anybody? Can say I've met an enemy when I felt like I was trying to do what God called me. Let's go describe what an enemy is. An enemy is somebody that tries to stop who you are. 
It could be a bully. It could be somebody trying to push you back on when you're trying to be who God's called you to be. It could be somebody that was sent that you feel like to try to destroy you for everything you are, destroy your reputation, destroy what God is doing inside of you. But the enemies come along and they're usually marked because they know something about you that you don't know about you. Young lady, when you stood here and began to pray and the Holy Ghost began to move on you, let me tell you what, the enemy can't stand you. You know why? Because you're already moving and operating in the glory of God. And it Let me tell you a little deeper that as God begins to do that stuff in you and develop who you are as a woman of God, let me tell you enemy number one. My sister is a preacher and she'll tell you every woman in America fights the same demon that folk can't see them as who they are in God because of some ancient tradition that's not even biblically correct. But let me go a little deeper with you. When God put that in you, enemy number one, is how do I walk in who I am when everybody around me don't understand me hear me and hear me good what you do when it's time to do what God called you to do you stand up here regardless of who God what everybody in their mama has got to say and you be who God has ordained you to be because I can promise you that the spirit of God wouldn't be on you if he wasn't going to use you but your enemy knows that about you too so what he's going to do this fine specimen of a man might try to make a move and that enemy tried to pull you away because the enemy sees more in you than you see in you. That's the danger. When your enemy knows as much about you as anybody else, it'll pull you out and make you a mess. Goliaths in front of you serve one purpose, to reveal what's inside of you. They're trying to destroy you, but what they don't know is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I might be standing in front of the biggest Goliath that's ever lived but because I know who's in me that I know he's unstoppable. He's irrevocable. He's un you can't match him. There's no power in hell or anywhere else that can match what God is going to do in my life. At the end of the day, child of God, you better be who God called you to be because if he's greater, then there's nothing that can stop the plan of God. Be who God called you to be. Would you do that favor for me please, ma'am? Thank you and God bless you. Enemies are made to be stepping stones. When I was coming up, my mama is not very tall. Neither is my daddy. They used stepping stones to get something up higher off the shelf. My wife is five foot nothing. And I don't know if you know this or not, but as you get older, you start getting shorter. Gravity has this awful effect. Your nose starts getting longer and starts pulling down, and you, you know your belly starts to want to. You know, somebody said the other day you need to put up your beer gut. I said no. I said I'm a preacher. He said well, put your chicken uh, chicken pen away. <clears throat> God's holy bird. Hallelujah. But gravity kind of pulls when your enemy starts seeing who you are. He shows up. David was not the king before Goliath. Well, David was anointed to be king. But until God put him in front of a Goliath, most people didn't know him. Your enemy has the power to expose who you are in Christ. The question is, do we face the battle or run from it? Are we folk that run from the battles? Or are we the folk that fight them? 
I'm looking at a group of teenagers that a few of you began to fight tonight. You began to get in this altar and begin to fight. Why? Because you know that the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that you may have life and that life more abundant. Why does that matter? Because if God is going to use you to go to different places and in higher levels and, and fight bigger devils, you got to be willing to put your hand and your foot on his head and say, devil, you ain't going to stop what God is doing in me. Somebody say amen. Now, before I start landing my plane, don't let the enemy be you. I don't know these three young ladies. Hi, how are y'all? What's your name? Bella. What is it? Lily and Samai. Okay, where are y'all from? Larnberg, Maxton. Larnberg, okay, cool. If these three young ladies, we'll take all three of them, we'll say that Bella, she knows who she is, and she ain't taking nothing off of nobody. My little girl, she's five, and I believe she could whip a seven-foot-tall man because she would tongue-lash him to death. She got it honest from her mama. I mean, <laughs> well, let's say Lily, when her, she speaks, her words are a mirror of her soul. And she speaks death over her own life. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Nobody cares about me. And because of that, I'll never do nothing. And then my sister on the end, I, I don't want to mess your name up, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it. So I'm going to tell me one more time. Samai. Got it. Okay, so Samai, she lives at the opposite end of the spectrum. Her insecurity is so high that she's cutting herself at night. She's thinking about ending her life, and she's desperate for attention. Got three different perspectives. And in all three cases, I don't believe in being prideful, like, oh, look at me, look at me, I can sing, I can play. Yeah, no. What's the point where we have godly confidence, but the enemy then becomes ourself? So Maya will spend the rest of her life talking herself out of who God has called her to be. I'm going to pick on James Earl because I can. I love him. And I'm, yeah, again, he was in diapers when I came, so that, that's all right. James Earl, when he first started playing drums, he, he couldn't keep a beat. He tried. But we'd be doing forever God is faithful. Next thing you know, forever God is faithful. Like a CD slowing down. It, it was terrible. But it took about three months, and James Earl started building up a little confidence. And I noticed him drums getting louder and louder and louder in that block building. Then Jonathan would come, and Jonathan would be over there, you know, just killing it. And I mean, hair flying everywhere. Jonathan was something. But then James Earl, when Jonathan couldn't make it because of work, Jonathan Milligan, when he couldn't make it, James Earl would play. And James Earl was learning and growing. But if he believed the lie that he wasn't enough because he wasn't there yet, then let me promise you what would have happened. He'd have never been on this stage fulfilling the plan of God on his life. But he believed who what God said, and he believed that, look, it's going to take some time, but I'm going to get there. Not a person in this room is supposed to be somebody you're not. And not a person in this room is supposed to be somebody else. You are designed, unique, called, and equipped to do what God has called you to do. What's that got to do? I'm glad you asked. What are you waiting on? What is standing in your way and the third one and I'm done what's holding you back if the praise team would make their way and if it's possible I would love that song something's about to break to be percolating 
This picture, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Last summer, we buried, I was scheduled to leave on a motorcycle trip to go on the diaper run with M25 on September 6th, 7th. Got a phone call from my church secretary. They found her son dead. Overdosed. Fentanyl. The year before, we lost my wife's father. His death was not because of an overdose, but his car crash was because there were drugs in him and on him at the time. Year before that, we lost her brother to an overdose. So I have this deep feeling that I got to do something. One of the ways you can assure yourself that God is calling you is when something drives you crazy that the enemy is allowing to run free. Insecurity, doubt, fear, shame. When she called me, I knew I had to do something. We connected with this ministry called Hope Center. Hope Center is an alcohol and drug addiction recovery ministry based out of Tennessee. There's 48 centers, 49 centers now. And it's a year-long program similar to Teen Challenge. You may be familiar with Teen Challenge. Well, when they told me the cost, I about had a stroke. $194,000. I about had a stroke. That's all you pay, one-time fee, and that's it, you're done. My church, a bunch of cheering, they ain't rich people. We operate on a lean budget, a real lean budget. My church has been $200,000 in debt since we started back in 2012. And we pay it down and build something else and pay it down and build something else, remodel something, pay it down, build something else. And I go into my church board knowing that we own a lean budget, number one, and that we $200,000 in debt. Can you imagine the looks I got from my 13 church leaders? Hey, pastor, did you smoke something before you come in? They was wondering what I was on. So you mean to tell me you want to put us almost $400,000 in debt for, to take care of addicts? People that society has basically wrote off. You see junkies all the time and you see people high on pills and hitting you up and you know that's how they got there. We see that. Society's wrote them off. Now understanding my passion is pro-life. I've led a ministry, I've led a part of a ministry that's raised over three hundred thousand dollars in the last eight years for pro-life, diapers and wipes and all that other good stuff. So it's deep in my heart. But now I'm staring down a giant I can't fight. My board looks at me like I'm crazy. Can you imagine the look? I go in and I said, look, I've led y'all for 13 years. I've never done anything like this. But I'm just telling you, we got to do it. Sister, they, they kicked again. I said, I'm just telling you. The Lord said, do it. And pastor, that next couple weeks, we couldn't find a house. There's specific specifications about a house. There's specific things you have to do. There's specific qualifications, and we couldn't find a place. You had to have a certain budget and a certain square footage, and, it, and we couldn't find any of that. This is Myrtle Beach. We couldn't find nothing. 
my outreach pastor starts digging a little bit. And after a couple of weeks and still couldn't find it, he calls me and said, Pastor, it's a Wednesday night. He said, we got to go see this place. I just got a call. I couldn't go that night. I went the next morning. and We started walking on that campus. And when I say the smell caught my breath and took it, you'd have thought that every dead animal in the whole state of South Carolina had been left on this 10-acre property. It was awful. Seven men had been left there unattended. And they had ruined and that's the kindest way I know to say it the entire place you got stuff that had been sitting in the toilets for two years filthy disgusting place 13 buildings 12 buildings there grass was that high mold mildew nastiness brother Michael I went into the nastiest one nastiest one the, 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 it was a double wide not even a block build metal build nothing a double wide nothing wrong with double wide it just I lived in one whatever this one had a hose pipe break water all over the floor ruined in the house dishes this high that ain't been washed in two years mildew mold in the refrigerator freezer that had been left unplugged and y'all can imagine what I found in that freezer a smell that made everybody want to jump up all the adult folk going because we've all had that experience of freezer go down. There's nothing worse. For the gentlemen that are hunters, it smelled like a gut shot deer. That sm smell, turn your stomach smell, yeah. And I walked in there, and look at the pots and pans underneath the picture. That's what the whole place looked like. And that sign met me at the door. What's holding you back? I said, Lord, I can't pay for this. He said, I said, what's holding you back? I went in this dry erase board. I tried to erase it. And guess what? It wasn't going nowhere. That is green dry erase marker. What's holding you back? I turned around. I tried one more time. And it wasn't white. And I turned around, went out the door. And I said, make the offer. We're doing it church still a little cross-eyed thought I'd gone off my rocker borrowed some cigar weed we got plenty of it in Horry County and brother let me tell you oh hush Siri Siri's trying to find me some cigar weed God almighty <laughs> I got no sense sorry when I went in that building when I went in that building let me tell you what God did Stuff started coming out the woodwork. I presented the need to our church. That was last October. We closed on it on January 1st. On January, though, somewhere in late January, early February, I made a $50,000 payment on that project. Easter, I made a $30,000 payment on that project. As of today, it's down to $61,000, but it gets better. Wait, 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 it gets better. We've got a $17,000, chat matching grant that tomorrow, the four-wheeler park called Riverneck down in Florence. If you got a four-wheeler, you ever been down there? 
They're doing a charity weekend sponsoring our Hope Center. So the world is helping pay off, and they've guaranteed at least three to $4,000. We'll make our challenge tomorrow. So tomorrow will be a $20,500 $20, day. We'll be down right at 40, if not below it, by the end of the weekend. And this is since October. My church is still $200,000 in debt. But the Hope Center, because I finally said, Lord, I've been held back. You've told me what's holding you back. It's time to step in who you've told us to be. And so $150,000 later, let me tell you, when God puts it in your heart, you better go ahead and do it. Don't back down. Don't stop. Go, because he told you to go. Now, I said all that, and I know teeny boppers probably don't care a whole lot about all that good stuff, but let me explain why it matters. It matters because when God puts it inside of you, and it's, thank you, Pastor, when it's so deep, you can't stop because everybody's got something to say. Opinions are like noses and armpits. Everybody's got them and they're all dirty. Amen? But let me tell you something. We're not ashamed to take a bold stand for what we like. If Taylor Swift was to walk up in here, a bunch of girls and boys, and boys, we talk about you later. Y'all be jumping and cutting back flips and running through the building. We're not ashamed then. We're not ashamed to walk through the high school with our bay by the hand. Look at me. We're not ashamed to vape in front of those that know we do. We're not ashamed to show our wrist to those we've been cut who know we've been cut. When it comes to stepping out for God and not being ashamed, let me tell you why you're killing me, Smalls. Because you're letting fear stop you. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. I'm sorry if you came tonight to run around this building and tuck back flips and throw babies. But I can promise you that the Lord sent me on assignment. That folk have been stopping and getting the enemy credit and stopping who he's called you to be. Woman of God, man of God, it's about time. You quit letting fear stop you up. And you start chasing the lion instead of letting him chase you. Hallelujah. You read a story, and if you would stand... It's in the book of Chronicles, and it's about Benaniah. It said, Benaniah, one of David's mighty warriors, he found him a lion and chased him on a, in a pit on a snowy day, and he killed the lion. I don't know about you. Brother Michael's he's strong as an ox. Brother, I ain't fighting a lion. I don't know about y'all. I ain't fighting a lion. This brother chased him down in a pit on a snowy day, which means a slippery day, Jay, I don't know about you, but you bigger than I am. You might can handle it. I can't. And he fought the lion. And the Bible said he won. Let me ask you this question before we pray. If every teenager is in this room tonight, would you just do me a favor and stand shoulder to shoulder across this front? Every teenager, give me a little bit of room to walk in front of you. Yeah, if you're a teenager, come stand in front of me. Yeah, shoulder to shoulder. Y'all, a beautiful looking group of kids. Can we give these kids a hand tonight? Amen. I called you babies, but I don't believe y'all babies. That guy there, he's scaring me. He's bigger than I am. Man, you 12 foot tall. They name you Goliath? Buddy, I believe whatever you've been afraid of, 
whatever you've been letting stop you. And when God cuts you loose, it's not an accident that you head and shoulders above everybody else. Do you know that's how God identified Saul? Because uh, he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Don't be afraid to stand out. Because as you stand out and as you obey the Lord, there are great and mighty things you're going to do if you'll keep God at the center of your journey. You know what killed Saul? He turned away from God. Gave him bad worship. You give him your heart. I watch the Spirit of God move on you tonight. And as you operate it, I can promise you there's a lion inside of you that's going to roar like there is no tomorrow. I don't know you from Adam's Tomcat, but I'm just telling you, do not let fear stop you. Everybody's got their opinions. Everybody in this room got an opinion. And if you let them, they'll stop you. Not these people, but everybody else in Scotland County. But if you let God fuel where you're going, I promise you, your journey's going to be publicized. You're going somewhere. Stay with it, okay? Adults, how about do me a favor and get behind these babies tonight? I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything specific. I just want you to get behind these babies. I'm 41. So if you 20 or under, you're a baby to me tonight. Sorry, don't mean that offensively. I know every girl in the room thinks, I ain't no baby. Ladies, can I speak to you first? The young ladies, let me speak to you first. Samaya. Got it. Right? Yeah? Okay, you gave me a funny look. Just make sure I got it. Lily and every other young lady in front of me. Let me say first. Your identity is not shaped by what somebody else says about you. You hear me good? Let this old fat preacher tell you something. Your identity cannot be shaped by what you let somebody else convince you to believe. Be you. I went in the hair shop to get my hair singular. Y'all got hair. I got one hair. Cut yesterday. And this girl walked out with Kool-Aid blue hair. You do you, girl. I might have had spikes, but I didn't have Kool-Aid. As you come into who you are, be who you are. Lead worship. Sing for the glory of God. Where's the young lady that sang? It was right here. Jordan shirt. You got it. Next time you lead worship, don't you dare put your head down. You pick your head up because I'm telling you, you got what it takes. I, I'm, I'm, I've been worship leading for a long time since I left this church. This is where I got my start. This place sends out worshipers and worship leaders. Be the one they send out. Be the next one that stands in that pulpit and leads. Be the next one that leads and you. Girl, just do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Just do it. Young ladies, do not you dare let your self-image be determined by what you got on what they think about you or what some slick little fellow whispers in your ear to try to make you feel like you ain't what you think you are. You're a woman of God that deserves to be protected, that deserves to be kept, deserves to be regarded as holy. And let me tell you something else. You deserve to be courted. If he ain't holding the door, put him to the curb. Chloe, don't take that advice yet. If he is not good enough to buy your dinner, put that boy to the curb. I took Chloe on our first date, and I kid you not, I took my discount card to the restaurant I was working at. I said, if it don't work out, at least it didn't cost me a lot. That's a true story. Chili's in Fayetteville. We still go there, and I still try to use that discount card. Don't be snapping this joker stuff that he can use against you. 
make you feel belittled based on your body. Think we don't know. Don't be Instagram and stuff to make you look good. Them kissy lips. That ain't what makes you gorgeous. What makes you gorgeous is who you are underneath all of that. Amen. Be who God called you to be. Now, young men, and then I want to pray. Young men, I don't care how good you are at sports. I don't care how many cars you got. I don't care if your truck's bigger than mine. I don't care if you've killed 75 ducks this year illegally. But I don't care if you've killed a buck that's big enough to hang on two walls. I don't care if you can throw a football 100 yards. If you can't walk holy before the Lord, you've missed it. Go ahead, go ahead. You are not the sum of every girl you can date. You're not the sum of where you can go. You are not the sum of what you can be guilty of in the schoolhouse. And you're not guilty. You're not the sum of the attention you can get, whether good or bad. You're not the sum of how many kids you can beat up. You're not the sum of whether you can bully. And you're not the sum of sitting on your hands and feet while God's spirit is moving in among a church. That's not it. There's more to it. Jay, we picked on Jay tonight, but Jay would be down front. Jay led the way in worship. Amber would be right by him. Mandy would be right there. And then Jesse would be right there. And they're still serving God today. Why? Because they did it when nobody else was. That youth group, I don't know, the last service we had was like 170 children. Why? Not because I was that good, but because they led the way in the front, worshiping God, breaking the mess. So in my humble opinion, gentlemen, what makes a man is not his ability to stand and show me what he's got. What makes a man is his ability to stand and worship a God when he doesn't know what else to do. Amen? Now, the first group, I'm going to ask you three questions. What's stopping you? God's put a word in you. He said, do something. Worship. Praise. Your shirt says, just, just as I am. So just as you are, what's stopping you? What's stopping you, young lady? Young lady, you got a great smile. What is stopping you? What's stopping you? Stranger things. I've never seen that show, but I'm sure it's cool. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? Young man, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? Young man, what's holding you back? Got a great haircut, by the way. I wish I had that hair. What's holding you back? Scared what he's going to think? He's going to think? She's going to think? What's holding you back? stopping you answer this question for me before we pray so now what I'm going to tell you now what we're about to pray and I'm going to pray that God would give you the strength to worship him with unabandoned with hands lifted high saying I'm not going to be held back I'm not going to be stopped and I'm going to do what God told me to no matter what that looks like, no matter what that feels like, and no matter where that means me ending up, I'm going to do what God has told me to do. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? You. Young man, what's holding you back? Oh, wait. Hand 
of God is on your life. And I think you already know that. I think you've already been sensing it. And I'm just telling you, don't you let nothing stop you. Because when you start walking in it, it comes with a price. It's not fun. The journey's not always jump up and down and shout and dance and run around. Sometimes it's painful. Don't let it stop you. Amen. What's on you back? Health scare. Don't let that stop you. Because until your last day on this earth, when God says your time is done, you're going to be here fighting the fight. You hear me? Don't you let anxiety get inside of you. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be scared. Because I promise you, until God's done, you ain't going nowhere. When I was praying for you earlier, I saw grandchildren. I saw children. I saw a future ahead of you. <laughs> and the devil told you something else. But I'm telling you what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. You hear me? Do it. Man of God, what's holding you back? holding you back? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? And you, and you. Adults, would you put your hand on these children's back? And I want you to pray this. Children, if there's something in, I want you to do your hand like this. Last thing I'm going to do. If there's something that you're genuinely afraid of, I want you to put it in your hand. This is an old Mennonite tradition. There's something you're afraid of, put it in your hand. Something that you say, I'm scared for this reason. I want you to do me a favor and turn it over. Like you're dumping dirt out of your hand. And turn it loose. Adults, would you do and pray that God would deliver whatever's been holding them back so they ain't got to say, you killing me, Smalls, before it's over with. Would you put your hands in the air? I'm just going to come by and pray for you while they sing. And we're just going to believe God to do great things. Mandy, it's all yours. Lead us, sweetheart.
y'all give me 10 seconds and I'm going to be out of your hair. The day came, and I'm going to pick on her because she's up here. Where's Amber? Where's Amber? Come here, sweetheart. I feel like I'm so much older than you. I can say that. Can you step up here? Come on, show me them, them skills. Jake, come here. Is that it from the originals here? Where's James Earl? He's playing, singing, praying. Come here, bud. Let me show you what these five did. Four. I can't count. There came a day where they all had to take a step. And they had to either stay where they were or step into who God called them to be. And they did it. I watched it. We sang in the wrong key. We did some crazy stuff. But they took the step. Would y'all do me a favor? Would y'all take the step? Just in the spirit, right now. Come on, take a step with me. Just one step. There you go. See how much freedom that felt? You look like you just got some relief in that. Did you? Is that true? It felt freeing, didn't it? Why, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you step up here? Because I don't believe this is going to end right there for you. Can we give this young lady a hand? You took a step. Where is it? Come here. Take a step. Take a step. Don't fall now. Make me look bad. Come on, Alex from Greensboro. Take a step. Yeah, wait, don't fall now. I don't, Pastor Tim's insurance. Why don't you, you take a step? Why don't you take a step? Come on, brother. You ain't got a, you ain't even got a hardly step. Take a step. Come here, brother. Take a step. That ain't even a step for you. Come on, man of God. Take a step. Come on, man of God. I know you already took the step, but take a step. Come on, bud. Take a step. Come on. Take a step. I'm taking this one home. I done fell in love with this kid. Come take a step. What you know about Texas? It's the hottest state there is. Take a step. Come on, Lily and Bella, my two new friends. Come take a step. Take a step. Take a step. Look around. This is all it's going to take to change our world is a few people to take a step. Amen? Now, if I come back ever again, it's been 17 and a half years last month, 17 years last month, that my journey ended here. And since then, God's let me take a step. Even though I made a step back, the Lord let me take a step forward. Do never let a setback stop you from doing what God's called you to do. Because if you do, chances are you'll never fulfill the destiny on your life. Your life is not determined by your mistakes. It's determined by you had to get up. Let me say that again. Your life is not determined by how many mistakes you make. It's by how you get up. When God calls you to it, you step into it. Y'all do me a favor. Take one step without falling off stage. Come on, one step. Uh-huh. Do y'all see what's happening in the spirit, parents? This is your leaders. This is them. This is them. I looked around and I saw these turkeys. Jay was about this tall playing baseball. Mandy was still this tall. And James Earl was in diapers. But, and Amber's hair was a lot redder. Babies will do that to you, won't it? They took a step, and now look at them. Leaders, take a step. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Amen.
Pastor Michael, wherever you are, this is yours. I have enjoyed being with y'all. Can y'all love on the Lord one more time? Put your hands together for the Lord. God bless you. Take a step. God bless you. was in the altar every chance I got. You want to know why? Because seeing you guys up here tonight pouring your heart out before God 
this is where you get your help from. This is how you make it in a world that is against you. This is how you make it right here in this altar. I don't care if you have to come here every Sunday morning up to the altar to get what you need. Do it by all means. Because for me, I had to be in the altar. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I had to. Because if I didn't, I was going to go right back to the things that God had delivered me from. And hear me, guys, if you have to be up here every time you guys have service, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, however you do it, you chase after God with everything that is in your being. Everything that you would go after God with everything you can. Because hear me, one day we're going to stand before God. And everybody that's here won't be here with you. I've got to stand before him. And he's not going to ask me why every why I didn't worship on a certain night or why I was looking around. He's going to ask me whenever I stand before him. He's going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? And guys, if we're chasing after Jesus, if we're chasing after him, and we're doing everything in our being to go after him, then he's going to hear you're going to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Look to your neighbor and say, keep chasing after God. And he asks you the question tonight, what's holding you back? Look to him and say, don't let nothing hold you back. Guys, this has been wonderful. Just seeing you guys pour your heart out to God is worth everything that we've had to do to prepare for this thing. Worth it all. Worth it all. Can we give this praise team a hand tonight and all those who sung tonight? Amen. Ellie, these girls, Anaya, y'all keep singing. Keep singing, girls. Keep singing. All right? Can we give the man of God a hand for the word that he brought for us tonight? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jason and Miss, Miss Chloe. Where's Chloe out? Is she, is she right here? There she is. Keep riding that bike with him. Keep him straight, okay? If he gets above 94, you slap him in the back of the head, all right? Tell him not to be doing that. Guys, guess what we got? If the pizza's cold, blame the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, guys, I want you to um, remember tomorrow night, if you can't come back, we have um, seven pastors and leaders that will be up on stage to answer questions. We have some that have been submitted. And if you have some you still want to submit, go back there to the little bag that's on the welcome desk. Submit those questions um, for the adults because I know all of our teens don't have much money. If you want to give an offering as you go out the door, remember the big blue barrels, okay? Look to your neighbor and say, I love you. Say, I got your back. I love you. And who wants to bless the pizza? Who's going to be bold and say, I'll bless the pizza? Who's going to take the step? Come on, who's going to take that step? Up, 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 up. Anybody? Up, oh, Gabe. Man of God, man of God. Let Gabe bless the food for us, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you for this day and thank you for blessing us, God. Thank you for this amazing service, God. And thank you for everything that you've done during it, God. And just bless this food. And then we pray, God. And in the name we pray, amen. All right, guys, the pizza is straight out the doors, okay? Remember, just follow the instructions.